despite exit scams and arrests, why do darknet markets still thrive? And hackers hit Virgin Mobile in Saudi Arabia. These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Anna Delaney. Here's a question for you. Why do darknet markets persist despite being a regular target for law enforcement? Matthew Schwartz, executive editor of Data Breach Today in Europe, investigates with a hint of Breaking Bad. Why do darknet markets persist? That question seems more pertinent than ever, given that this week, authorities in the US and Europe announced the arrest of 179 individuals who've been accused of a variety of crimes tied to darknet markets, so-called because they can only be reached using the anonymizing Tor browser. The ongoing investigation, dubbed Disrupt Tor, has so far led to 121 arrests in the US, 42 in Germany, and a handful each in Canada, the Netherlands, Great Britain, Austria, and Sweden. Police say the May 2019 takedown of Wall Street Market, which at the time was the world's second largest illegal online market on the dark web, was instrumental to these arrests. So too, they say, was the 2017 takedown of the then biggest darknet market, Alphabay. Both apparently gave investigators quantitative data and materials they've been using to tie dark web vendor accounts to individuals' real identities. Law enforcement agencies say they were able to unmask individuals offering goods for sale on numerous forums. They've seized $6.5 million in both cash and virtual currencies, as well as 63 firearms and approximately 500 kilograms of drugs worldwide. As part of this investigation, some of the charges resemble a cyber version of the crime drama Breaking Bad. The FBI, for example, says two men, one a licensed pharmacist in Nebraska, the other not a pharmacist, but a Maryland man who operated as the darknet vendor Never Pressed Rx, were waiting until local COVID-19 restrictions lifted so they could firebomb a rival darknet market operator's pharmacy in Nebraska. Or at least that's what they were intending to do until the Maryland suspect was collared in April. Clearly, using centralized darknet markets carries risks, and yet many people continue to use them. Recently, I've asked multiple cybersecurity researchers why darknet markets continue to be popular despite being a regular target for law enforcement. Researchers at Digital Shadows told me there are two answers. First, ease of use. Second, there are few good alternatives, at least for English-speaking users. It's important to remember that legitimate sites such as Amazon and eBay have succeeded in part because they are so easy to use. The same goes for darknet markets. They typically offer a number of services to protect both buyers and sellers, including holding payments in escrow until goods are delivered, running dispute resolution services, and making it easy for buyers and sellers to find each other. Alternatives exist, such as using encrypted messaging apps. Also, there are English language forums. But typically, either of these other options require a whole lot more effort for a lot less reward. Administering a darknet market can also be extremely lucrative since admins take a percentage cut of every sale. 
By the time Alpha Bay Administrator Alexandra Cazes, a Canadian citizen, was arrested in Thailand in July 2017, authorities said he'd amassed about $23 million thanks to Alpha Bay charging a commission of 2-4% on every transaction. The fun was short-lived, however, as he was later found dead in a Bangkok jail cell. Seeking a different endgame than arrest, or worse, many darknet market operators have opted instead to run an exit scam. The Empire Market is the most recent example of this, although there are signs that one of its rivals, Icarus, may also have disappeared. Exit scams refer to admins stealing all cryptocurrency being held in escrow, which may be worth millions of dollars and leaving then the market to fail. Some darknet market buyers and sellers, in the case of Empire's recent exit, said they'd lost tens of thousands of dollars. Exit scams are part of a long list of risks, including extortion and arrest, facing users of darknet markets. And yet people continue to use them. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Matthew Schwartz. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. It's been a busy week for Virgin Mobile's office network in Saudi Arabia as hackers gained access to its email system and an Active Directory domain controller and offered stolen data for sale on private dark web forums. In an exclusive report, ISMG's Jeremy Kirk, Managing Editor of Security and Technology, scrutinizes the story. Telecommunication companies are sought after targets by attackers. In an exclusive report, ISMG can reveal that Virgin Mobile's branch in Saudi Arabia was hacked. It's one of a string of attacks against organizations in the Middle East. The attackers gained access to Virgin Mobile KSA's email system and an Active Directory domain controller. The attackers, who may be linked with an advanced persistent threat group in Iran, offered stolen data for sale on private dark web forums. Security researchers who acquired the stolen data warned Virgin Mobile KSA, which stands for Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. The company then secured its network on Friday, according to a source with knowledge of the attack. Virgin Mobile KSA is a locally owned franchise of the brand, which is owned by Virgin Group. Leaked data includes recent emails from Virgin Mobile KSA employees, reports on new customer activations, dealer login activity, and spreadsheets on the performance of account managers. It also includes a list of more than a thousand accounts with usernames, employee names, email addresses, and logs of when those employees last changed their passwords. A Virgin Mobile KSA spokesperson told ISMG on Saturday that the incident has been remediated and that no customer data was breached. The spokesperson says the intrusion occurred due to a Microsoft Exchange-related issue, which was recently addressed by Microsoft with a patch. Timestamps of the stolen data show it was taken for the company's network on July 7th, so the intrusion may have persisted for at least two months. The company did not answer follow-up questions about the attack, such as how long the intruders were in its systems or the specific CVE number of the vulnerability. Telecommunication companies are ripe targets since interlopers could potentially identify the location of specific mobile users, steal personal information and call records, and even potentially engage in more technical tricks such as rerouting SMS messages. But the Virgin Mobile KSA intrusion may just be confined to the office network. The company is actually a mobile virtual network operator and uses the call network infrastructure of Saudi Telecom Company. 
STC provides the operational equipment for call routing and messaging, and the stolen data solely relates to Virgin Mobile KSA, not STC. Digital forensic investigators often struggle to identify exactly how intruders gained access to a network. But the source with knowledge of the Virgin Mobile KSA attack notes that many recent attacks have targeted CVE 2020-0688. That's a serious vulnerability in Microsoft Exchange, and Microsoft released a patch for it on February 11th. It's possible that Virgin Mobile KSA delayed patching that vulnerability but ended up getting stung by it. Jake Williams is a former network exploitation engineer with the NSA who now runs Rendition InfoSec. He says scheduling downtime to patch a system results in immediate productivity losses and the benefit of doing so is less clear and never immediate. It's possible Virgin Mobile KSA was attacked before a patch was available. Nonetheless, the routine security advice is to patch as soon as possible. Otherwise, your organization's data could end up in the wrong hands. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. And finally, yes, it is true. Winter is definitely coming, and it looks like it's going to be a particularly tough one with the risk of another major COVID-19 outbreak, not to mention the colder weather, the annual flu season, and the holidays ahead. But what about the impact on our mental health? As many employees struggle to maintain a healthy work-life balance as they work from home and veer into exhaustion as the boundaries between their professional and personal lives blur. In this segment, pandemic expert Regina Phelps shares some advice on this matter in conversation with ISMG's Senior Vice President of Editorial, Tom Field. And as a side note, I do implore you to listen to the full interview where Regina shares much wisdom for the months ahead. Here she is with coping strategies for leaders and managers to help not only their colleagues, but themselves to manage the ongoing stress in the months to come. In the crisis management process, within a company, this is an opportunity to stop and do a quick relook and see how you're managing it. Because it was stood up like this, this is going to be a short-term crisis or maybe something that would go on for a month or two. But now that we are nine months into it, you can't keep running it. We need to sort of migrate to some more of a, of a new normal, right? In the sense of, because other disasters are happening. My clients who are dealing with hurricanes and wildfires on top of a pandemic, the people that are in that company that are designed to do that are burned out. So they need to look at spinning off, first of all, the crisis management related activity and management of it. It's almost like a PMO, like a project management office or something that's going to manage this long-term issue because now it is our life. So that's the first thing I would say to every one of your listeners. They need to find a different way of managing it. Secondarily, I think what's really important is that we need to look at our employees and really see where they're coming from. So, for example, if you can actually have employers look at deliverables rather than the hours that people work. So if it's not essential that people work nine to five or whatever the standard hours are, there needs to be grace given to people that if they have kids at home or they're just got other things going on, as long as they get their work done within this time frame, that's the important thing. So focusing on deliverables and not time. Really encouraging people to make sure that they've got an adequate setup at home. I still know people that are sitting at dining room tables and not the best ergonomics. So they need to think about what can I do to help my employees? Because many of my clients aren't going back until next summer. Some are saying even longer than that now. So if people are going to be home, what can you do to help them? Some of my clients are giving stipends to either buy additional furniture or sending stuff home from their office so they can actually have what they need to be more comfortable. 
I think also in the area of, of, of allowances for people with kids, and again, maybe people may have different changes in their hours, maybe they end up doing work on the weekends and they're dealing with their kids at home, having flexibility. And the other thing is really promoting mental health and mental health awareness is going to be really important in the fall. Um, because I think the other, one of my, my number five on my list, which is follow the science and be prepared. And I think by following the science, that means, you know, pay attention, obviously, to what's going on. And let me just say, Tom, I know you have really smart listeners, but they need to double check information they receive on the internet. Social media is filled with false information. It's filled with all kinds of rumors about the COVID-19 pandemic that are incorrect and people are actioning on them. So I think you need to follow the science. You need to make sure that what you're reading is accurate. So follow good sources. And people need to be prepared for possibly a twindemic, the twindemic of the flu and the coronavirus at the same time. And I think what I would beg all of your listeners, if they have managerial control in their company, they need to really step back and really do a look at how we're managing this and really decide if we have to do something different. And I would really encourage all of your listeners to really conduct what I would call an interim after action report, which is what are we doing that's doing well? What needs to be improvement? And many of my clients, when they've done that recently in particular, they're realizing they're having to retool their response because this is gonna be going on for such a long time. That's it from ISNG Security Report theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Anna Delaney. Until next time.